The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Roman. Roman is a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Just head on over to GetRoman.com slash SVP for $15 off your first month. That's GetRoman.com slash SVP. And we're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is home to the best Ball Mania 2 contest where you can win a million dollars. That's right, a million dollars. Sign up now at UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code SGPN. That's UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And finally, we're also brought to you by Odds Jam. Odds Jam is the betting tool every sharp better needs, bringing you the latest prices and presenting the best betting opportunities. Dominate the marketplace with Odds Jam. Use promo code SGP and get 5% off sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Odds Jam. Thank you for bringing your ear holes to the podcast. It is the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 38. Usually try to um, dedicate the episode to someone who wore 38. There's not a lot of good options. Um, I'm going to go with Kwame Brown, who is uh, Michael Jordan drafted first overall uh, when he was with the Washington Wizards, and then he bullied him into submission in practice. So, um so basically, it's kind of like how this podcast goes. I'm the Michael Jordan of the podcast, and my associate host is the, the young, bright-eyed prospect, and I just bully him all episode long and try to make him make picks and whatnot. So that, that's that's what you're uh, you're in store for. Um, I would be Jeff Foster, host. I would be the bully. I would be the Michael Jordan of this, actually, is what I would be. My co-host would be the Michael Jordan of the Gogo Plata, uh, self self-described um, off-air. He he claims that's that's what he is. So. Uh, you may have, uh, you may know me from such places as the Sports Gambling Podcast Network or sportsgamblingpodcast.com, actually, uh, mma-manifesto.com, um, my house. I've been here a lot because we're still locked down in Canada. I know COVID's, uh, it's over in the States, especially in Houston where the UFC was last night, but it's not over, not over here. Actually, Houston, I looked up the numbers and it actually is, seems to be over there. So I'm, I'm jealous, but regardless, um, I would be your host of this lovely episode and the 37 that preceded it. And I have a savvy associate host to steal a word that he uses on one of his other podcasts. Um, like I said, he is the Michael Jordan of the Gogo Plata. He claims to be a better grappler than Jacare Souza. This I don't all think off, I ever said all that. Off stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's all, all off air. He says stuff. And Andre Munez, he says he's a better. And you're not allowed to talk yet. I haven't uh, introduced you yet. This is all off, like off air, he's a totally different person. Um, so he claims he, he could tap all these people out. Um, and he usually wishes harm onto, uh, if whoever's the nicest fighter on a fight card, he wants them to get beat up. So this past, um, week it was, uh, Jordan Wright, who seems to be a very nice guy with this post fight interviews and stuff, but Dan wanted him to get hurt real bad. Um, people did get hurt, but just not that guy. So, um, yeah, this would be Daniel Gumby Vreeland. You may know him from this podcast. You may know him from sportsgamblingpodcast.com, mma-manifesto.com, a bunch of other places that I'm not going to talk about because they don't pay me. Um, Top Turtle MMA Podcast, he hosts that. And the Prelim Picker, we'll say he hosts that one too. So, um, And we're we're also known as, a.k.a. the Mediocre Boys. We are back. Um, we were... Not mediocre for it was a nice stretch there, three or four weeks. We uh, Dan a week or two longer than than I, but we were not mediocre. But we are firmly uh, mediocre again after both going five and seven this past weekend. So after that, I like to do long introductions and keep Dan on the tips of his toes, not knowing when I'm actually going to let him talk. Um, I think I need a drink of water, so we will let him talk now. Here he is, the master of the Gogo Plata. He says he would have broken both the Jacare's arms last night if he fought him. It's uh, Danny Gumby Vreeland. I don't believe I ever said a bad word about Jacare. I don't believe that. I will say I said lots of bad words about Jordan Wright. Yep, Before we get true. into the nasty things I said about Jordan Wright and wishing him harm, as I did, I do wish, I do wish nice people harm. He's right about that. Yeah. Um, 
I will say I'm a little bummed you didn't honor um, either of two of my my favorite under the radar pitchers with this episode. episode okay, 30, go ahead. Episode 38 definitely belongs to both Ubaldo Jimenez, right? Yeah. Or Carlos Zambrano, who both wore 38. Yes, I noticed. Uh, I saw both their names on there. I, I can't remember who else I saw that I was thinking about. Uh, Dave Andrachuk, I was going to dedicate it to a former uh, a hockey hall of famer. Um, and I, I think there was another baseball player I was considering, but yeah. Those, I went, with, those two are the under-the-radar pitchers. Those are the yes. ones I like. The guys who like had Cy Young candidacy like right. one time, and then the rest of their careers were like good enough to be the fourth starter. Right. We'll, um, we'll see uh, if Dan makes any <laughs> fantasy baseball moves while we're recording this week like he did last episode. So that, that's, how he, that's how he's staying firmly in third place in our SGPN Um I just noticed the league's called SP, yeah, SPGN, that's right. No, they have it spelled wrong. It's, S, it's SGPN, right? Yeah, he's got sports, it sports SP, gambling podcast. Yeah, right. he's got, I just realized he's got an SPGN. That's amazing. That's, so yeah, we're, that's, that's not good. Like it should, well, it we're in the SPGN. Someone's getting fired after this episode now that I've exposed that. Um, so, yeah, we're we're mediocre once again after UFC 262, which was not a mediocre event, um, that's for sure. It was uh, it was a crazy event. Um, we didn't have any broken legs. We just had one broken humerus. No, we did not... have a broken leg. I'm almost we... positive we had a, a torn. Oh, ACL. Tony Ferguson. Yeah, I think yeah, tor- Tony, Tony Ferguson's Ferguson. ACL is yeah. torn. I'm almost positive. Of it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was just he you stomped all over my corny dad joke I was setting up there, Dan. I was going to say we had a broken humerus, which is not funny, right? Yay. See what you it's did It's not there. funny at all. But, it wasn't um, funny because it made a loud no. snap, and then they made sure to <laughs> replay that loud snap for everybody to hear. Yeah, why does the UFC insist on if something gruesome happens, they have to replay it, and if someone gets hit in the junk, they have to replay it? Do you know what I think it's for? Every time. I, I, I'm almost positive it's for gift value. Because yeah, maybe. I, I have some phenomenal freeze frames of Chris Weidman's foot um, uh, on, my, on my phone, including including one of him going back and stepping on it, and it's just the freeze right. frame of his, like, wet noodle foot. Um, and it's gross, and I think they want people to have those. Um, I think See, it's good I think it's good for branding. What else is on your phone, Dan, you psycho? I want to um, hear what else is on uh, there, sick people, man. People who are going to start on Tuesday. I have the possible starters for Tuesday. <laughs> See, he's a degenerate. In a, in, a, in a little spreadsheet that I'm ready to use oh, uh, probably while we're talking tonight. Um, but uh, that, that, that's pretty much it. I, I usually keep a, a list of, of uh, people who are going to fight coming up who I might interview. Um and then a bunch and, of gri- then, gifts of injuries. And then, and then gifts of injuries and junk shots. <laughs> <laughs> junk shot. I figured junk shots would be on your phone. That, that's not a surprise. But <laughs> can, uh, can we n- add that to our list of running uh, hashtag hashtag junk, junk shot? Junk shot. <laughs> I think now that there's and plus now that there's crowds back. The UFC loves playing the replay of the junk shots because that always gets a ooh <laughs> from the crowd. So you can tell always... when they played it in the arena and not on the the camera because yeah. you can hear the ooh before we get to see it. Yeah, but it's kind of it's kind of sexist. If it happens to a female fighter, they do not re, not replay it, and I'm sure it hurts them also because they stop the fight and stuff. But yeah, why does it? And, and and the fans all start booing as if they think it shouldn't hurt, which is just a, <laughs> just a wild move on that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. All right, enough talking about junk. Dan always tries to make this turn this into a smutty podcast talking about guys. <laughs> You always want to talk about guys' junks, usually chunky guys' junks. So I think um, instead we should talk about Bravo chokes and um, and whatever else happened last night. But before we get into that, let me tell you about WinBet. WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in and all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today and you receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. All right. That's uh, that's um, doing autopsy. Maybe we can figure out what our problem is. We went 5 and 7 at UFC 262. Week before, we both went 3 and 6. So that's we're in a bit of a. That's improved. <laughs> it's true. We have improved. Uh, before that, we were 8 and 2 and 9 and 1. But yeah, well, we're in a bit of a skid the past couple weeks. So we both. Uh, went five and seven. Dan lost a little less than I did. I lost three hundred thirty-one bucks because I bet a hundred bucks in every fight. Obviously, Dan lost two seventy-three or two seventy-four on the year. I am hitting fifty-five percent. Dan's hitting fifty-two, so he's dropped a little bit. 
Boo. Uh, but he's lost less money than me because he hit a big underdog one time. That's, I think it's uh, two two seventy five. <laughs> two seventy five underdog. She's got a fight coming up again, by the way. <laughs> True. Can't wait. She's doing right, a short so, notice fight. So I'm down twenty eight hundred. Dan's down twenty two hundred. We both whiffed on our locks last night too, which sucked. I actually said out loud, "Well, at least Dan's lock didn't come through." Like, and I was happy about it, but she's not good. At least I don't have pictures of guys getting hit in the junk on my phone. But still, I didn't. I didn't feel good about wishing bad things on Dan. But that's where this podcast has happened. Uh, that's what it's done to me. So we both whiffed on our locks. Dan's was uh, Jamie Pickett, who did not last very long. Um, he, mine he was looked, Matt, he, looked, he looked really bad. Yeah, mine was Matt Schnell, who fought a cheater who came in overweight. So that, that's why uh, he lost. But um, so locks, I'm eight and two, which is still pretty damn good. Almost up two hundred, almost up three hundred bucks. Dan is back down to five and five. Very, very, very mediocre for the mediocre boy. Uh, he's down one hundred and eighty-nine bucks. So, all right, let's break her down. Um, main event, pretty wild. Main event is pretty wild that Charles Oliveira is the champ after. I think it's been something. I read it was like almost four thousand days since his first UFC fight, and now he's the champion. Who who saw this coming? The guy that. He was known for missing weight at featherweight and for basically looking like he was trying to trying to quit in a lot of fights anytime the going got tough. But going got tough last night, and he definitely did not quit. Yeah, I, and, and you know, it's funny that you mentioned that stuff at featherweight. It, it's just like another one of those clear cases where, like, sucking down to, like, the most low-level weight class you possibly can clearly is not always good. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's wild – that people constantly thought that that was the way to become good. And, and it's just, it was not at all. Um, yeah. And like he was killing himself to make featherweight. He didn't look good down there all the time. I mean, he, to be fair, he got beat by some really good guys at featherweight, right? Like Cub Swanson and Frankie Edgar and Max Holloway are the ones who beat him down there. Um, and you know, he, he beat some good guys in his own right, right? Like he beat Jeremy Stevens, Hatsu Sioki, um, yeah, he lost to Cowboy Cerrone, but, like, like, like he was doing good all the time. But, like, yeah, it, it, he just looks like a whole different person up a weight class. It's crazy to me, too. Here's the thing I will say about him is that, like, he goes in there as a guy who we largely think of as a jiu-jitsu guy. Right. And, and he just reminds us how much better his striking has gotten. Because even before he started tagging Chandler, like – things looked right on the feet for him. Like, he, yep. he looked like he was doing what he intended to do on the feet. And also, I'll say, hey, like, he got a takedown on Michael Chandler, which is something I think a lot of people didn't see him doing. Right. Last five fights, three of them he's ended with punches. So um, it's kind of um, similar to uh, the aforementioned Jacare, who who seemed to, like, gain striking power as he, as he aged, not let – Chucky uh, Olives is, is old. He's only 31, uh, despite being in the UFC forever. But, yeah, it, it reminds me of Jacques Ray, a, a jiu-jitsu ace who added um, added some powerful striking, which kind of makes him, makes him unstoppable. But difference being um, DeBronx is, is 10 years his junior, so he's, he's got some time to actually uh, actually use it and maybe have a little reign here uh, on top of the of the um, lightweight class. But, of course, after all Dan said about featherweight and stuff and all I said, of course, one of the first things you hear out of him is he would still like to make a run at featherweight if uh, Dana White would let him. He, he would go down to featherweight and try to try to win the belt there. So, well, I remember I'll, I'll say this. If I win that lightweight belt right now, and, there's, yeah. and that's the the level of challenger that's in that division right now oh, is yeah. there, I'm probably looking for other divisions to challenge yeah, it too. You know, like yep. do you? Oh yeah, you really want to fight uh, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, uh, Michael Chandler again, uh, Benil Dariush. Justin I mean, Gaethje. by then maybe Gregor Gillespie, Justin Gaethje, Gaethje like yeah. and, and like all of them, like a couple of them in there are nightmare matchups for him, right? Like. You know, yep. Ga- Gaethje is who I, I mean, like, could you imagine him versus Gaethje? It would be a lot of fun. I, I, I've been saying for years, I actually think that Gregor Gillespie is a, a big problem for a lot of people in that division because of the way he has takedowns and he has a gas tank and stuff like that. I'm not sure how he'd look on his feet against Charles Oliveira, but I'd be interested to see what happens if he tried to wrestle him. So I, I think there's just so much talent at lightweight. There's never any reason for a lightweight champion to go elsewhere. 
No. Islam Makashev also. Oh, I didn't even it's didn't, been, yeah, yeah, he's been yeah, making like, some noise uh, saying, hey, I'll see you soon. So that would be quite the matchup also. So, yeah, it's it's a murderer's row, um, to, to say the least. So, um, yeah, so, so for, for those of you who didn't see the uh, the pay-per-view, um, it started out, obviously, it started out uh, striking battle at the Chandler's uh, power. Obviously, there was a huge power discrepancy in the striking, uh, at least until the second round, uh, he he hit um, Oliveira bad, cut him up bad over his what right eye. Um, but um, Dobronx got him down, um, worked him on the mat. Uh, yeah, he actually took Chandler down as as you mentioned. Um, so he basically regained his his composure um, and whatnot. Uh, but then early in the second round, he just lit. He lit. Um, What's that guy's name? Chandler. He lit Chandler up on the on the feet and just like finished him off. It was very very impressive. Um, but yeah, it was. It, I don't know what was more impressive: him lighting him up on his feet or him taking him down. And basically, it was it was all round performance. It was something you wouldn't have seen from him back in the days when when it seemed like he wanted out in in some of these fights that that you're mentioning that he lost. Like if if he had got cracked like that in the olden days, he. He, he may have been looking for an exit, but he definitely was not last night. I'll ask you this. What did you think of – so when Chandler popped him right at the end of the first round. Right. Um, and he fell to his knees and looked like he was looking for, like, a really desperate takedown because either yep. he was hurt or he felt backed into a corner and didn't know what to do. And then he eventually flipped to his back and, and kind of pulled guard sort of and, and just survived there. How, how close did you think the ref was to stopping that? Yeah. It, I was yeah, I was nervous. Close. Yep. Yeah, it, it was very close. I think it was lucky that the round was coming to a close, obviously, um, saved by the bell um, for sure. But, yeah, it, it definitely was close. Um, Chandler did, did not um, – he, he made a good account of himself um, for sure. He, he's definitely one of the top top lightweights in in the world. So he did not look bad at all in there. But, yeah, um, in getting knocked out by uh, Oliveira is not uh, – not such a bad thing nowadays either because a lot of guys are getting lit up by him. Uh, if you'd said that a few years ago, then you'd be like, oh, I don't know about that guy's chin. But, um, you know, getting getting knocked up by him is not the worst thing in the world. Um, he obviously, he he's more than powerful enough for, for the lightweight division. Um, but uh, he, he has been knocked out by uh, Featherweight in Bellator. So um, who's to say? Um, well, and he, and he also he also has been knocked out. Well, he's, he's lost by TKO in four straight fights. Yeah. And, and okay, yeah, yeah. With, with one of them being in that weird ankle injury when he had dropped foot. But, right. Um, but one of them is to Will Brooks, too. Like, this is over guy. a long period of time because he hasn't lost much. But one to a featherweight, one to Will Brooks, one to a jiu-jitsu ace. Like, mm, you're right. I don't know that his chin is cause for concern yet, but he also hasn't been touched by a lot of guys with good power. You know what I mean? Like, his fights before that were Benson Henderson, not typically known as a guy who can flatline you. Sidney Outlaw, Brett Primus, Brandon Gritz, uh, Goti Yamaguchi, like, all of the names that I'm reading you right now are guys who either grapple first or are known for their like kind of technical striking. So you're right. I I don't think we have to like we have to write his chin off as being bad, but there is a reason to start talking about it. No, true. Yeah, when you mention all these smaller guys who have have uh, who have hurt him, um, and plus to make matters worse, I hear people floating around. Um, his next opponent uh, could or should be Justin Gaethje, which would be bad news for him if uh, if he's getting knocked out by by some of those guys. Yeah, although I will say I think that's the most fun violency fight that you could possibly oh, yeah. make in that debate. Like it, from a stylistic standpoint, anybody who called for that fight is right on. Violency, you said? Is that yeah, yeah, violency, um, yeah. Do you have a degree in anything? Yeah, I have, I have three, you want to degrees, bring that up? three degrees in English. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. Huh, I didn't know that. That's, that's violence C, like uh, S-Y at the end, yeah. So uh, interesting. So I, I guess there's never anything I have to edit in your articles either, right? Because you're an English, uh, no, English yeah. expert, apparently. It's flawless. My emails are good, too, if you remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so, so who, who would you – do you want to see that matchup? Do you want to see, like, Chandler yeah. Gaethje for basically next in, next next to next, so second in line, basically? Because it looks like Dustin yeah, I think, Connors next in line. I th- yeah, I think Poirier versus versus Connor is the, the clear-cut answer for who's next. And the timing there. works, too, yeah. Uh, it, it, the timing works great. Um, yeah, I will just say, 
with all of the names we mentioned being interesting in that division right now, I, I don't think there's a wrong answer for Chandler, right? Like, you, you'd watch him fight Gaethje. You know, you mentioned Islam Makachev. If somebody wanted to bump him way up, I'd watch that. If you want to put him with uh, Benil Dariush, who we're about to talk about coming out looking like roses in this one, I'd buy that. Like, there's so many options in this, this weight class for him to fight. I, I don't think we have to, like, you know, like say, like, oh, definitively he needs this matchup or needs that matchup. Like, Lightweight's got a ton of killers. Match him up with somebody who's interesting to watch him fight, and, and that's fine. Like, he he's one or two away again, um, and, and, you know, just takes the one or two right opponents to do it. Yep, full of killers and savages. That, that, they were <laughs> on point last night with killer uh, savages. Oh, they, man. Every, now you're saying it. You said it there. Yeah, well, it was it – was, <laughs> It was so bad last night. It was so bad. <laughs> Jocker, that's because Rogan and DC are very bad together because DC wants to be his buddy and be cool, and so he just copies everything that Rogan says. So everybody's a savage and a killer and a beast or whatever else uh, you want to say. So, And now it's creeping into Dan. Dan just said killers too, so he's very impressionable. <laughs> All right, here's a fun game. I just looked it up, but we got odds already uh, for – Oliveira versus McGregor. What are the odds? Oliveira, like, what, who, what are the odds that who's going to win the fight? Not, not that the fight takes place, but well, it, I, when they fight, if they fight, what are the odds? It's crazy that they're offering it on McGregor and not on Poirier. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're offering on Poirier too. That's oh, okay. Okay, so yeah, that's both. Nice. I would say Oliveira is a favorite against Poirier slightly and a dog against Connor. Uh, dog against both. Uh, plus 145 versus Connor. So Connor's 165. And he's plus 155 versus Poye. Poye's minus 180. So what are your thoughts on those two lines? I'm a little bit surprised that they had Poye being a bigger favorite against him. Um, yeah. Because I expected Connor to have a skewed line. You'll probably see it get skewed closer to, to game time. I think Oliver is a nightmare for Connor McGregor. That that's Conor yeah. McGregor's worst nightmare right there. Like, yeah. the, if for some reason he happens to get through Dustin Poirier, I could not be more confident that he was not going to take the belt off of Charles Oliveira. Based All right, get that what, money. Based on what he did to, to Tony Ferguson, and don't get me wrong, Benil Dariush just did the same thing. But like, he also took down Michael Chandler, and, and he's got one of the best jujitsu games in the sport. Like, yep. there's no reason to think he isn't just going to submit Conor McGregor very fast. So go get that plus 145 and throw a sub-prop uh, sub on it, and you're you're laughing. Yeah, uh, well, you, I would say this, though, too, though. That fight's not going to happen. We're, we're going to no, talk, talk about talk about Poirier beating him in a second, but that fight's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah so is Poirier going to beat Oliveira? Um... I'm much more interested in that matchup. I would have yeah. to think about it for a little bit because I, I haven't really thought too much about it. I do think Poye's volume and pressure could be a problem. He doesn't ever go to the ground, but I don't know that he would stop Charles Oliveira from taking it there himself. Um, yeah, so it's and he's not as... You know, like, uh, Chandler's a little reckless on the feet. I don't right. feel like Poye has that in him. So, like, that, that bodes well for Poye, too. I, I think if you're making me pick right now, I might pick Poye, but yeah, I, I'm not real too, confident yeah. about it. Yeah, Poye's got the power, too. He's got similar power to Chandler, but much better it's technique. Like composed, and, yeah, composed yes. power. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so, so you've been uh, dancing around the co-main event where Benito Darius uh, basically smothered Tony Ferguson for three rounds, blanked him, three rounds to none, and... Um, Probably uh, ripped his knee apart because uh, apparently he said his knee was popping and Ferguson screamed and didn't tap out and the ref didn't stop the fight. So, um, like Darius said, every fight can't be about winning a bonus, which is refreshing actually to hear that someone's more interested in actually winning a fight than trying to trying to um, be what a dancing monkey, dancing seal. Well, what what uh, what analogy am I going for here uh, for the bosses? Dancing bear, dancing bear. We'll go with that one. Uh, doesn't want to be a dancing bear for for Dana White and and try to dance around for his for his supper. Um, played it smart, neutralized Tony Ferguson and just whitewashed him. Yeah, it, it looked pretty much exactly like what Charles Oliveira did to it, which I don't know if detracts from what Charles Oliveira had done earlier, but it, it does seem to hint that. There's flaws in in Tony Ferguson's game, right? Like we, you don't say. We, well, in, 
you know, I think, you know, I was talking to my other co-host, Shockwave. Uh, ah, please don't mention him here, please. <laughs> and he said, uh, Rogan made a good point on the broadcast, which I had apparently what? missed. Yeah, I know. We, we never think he makes any good points, but he did. And he said that it seemed like for years Tony Ferguson's athleticism allowed him to be funky and have gaps in his athlete, gaps in his skill level, right? Like he he's clearly does some shit wrong because he likes to be funky and he's always been athletic. And now he's old and those holes just show and the athleticism doesn't pick up for it. Um, and, and it sort of feels like that happened, right? Like it felt like. I mean, he was going for that funky-ass Darius choke, and when he was more athletic and, and, you know, quicker and faster and better at locking things up, like, that weird Darius choke might have worked against Benil Darius five years ago, and he might have walked out of that fight with us being like, did you see how good Tony Ferguson looked? And he didn't, right? Like, he looked bad the rest of the time, but we would remember that. Like, you can almost think of that when he fought Edson Barboza. He got bloodied up. Like, he got bloodied up pretty bad, looking silly, doing some striking things. And, you know, like, yeah. his his very smart, uh, you know, like, or his very athletic, athletic build and funky stuff got him out of it. And now it just doesn't anymore. So it's kind of sad when you look back at it. But, uh, yeah, I, I think this is the end of elite Tony Ferguson. I don't, I don't think you're going to see him against anybody, uh, you know, looking real good again. And it's kind of sad that, that he never even got a shot at the undisputed title in all that time. Right. He did have the fake belt for a while, um, but that's basically like like one of those uh, wrestling belts that, that you can order uh, for your kid. He didn't have the real belt. He had the interim belt. So um, that's three straight losses for him. Anyway, he's talking about how time comes for us all and all this jazz. Do you think he he's still probably the most popular guy on the card last night? Um, you could say I've heard some people argue that, and – He's um, getting lots of traffic on MMA uh, Dash Manifest today. It's basically Oliveira, but then Ferguson's right behind as, as the most traffic out of Chandler and, and everyone else on the card. Do you think he gets another kick in the can in the UFC or, or what? I undoubtedly think he gets another kick in the can. You, right. If you listen to that live crowd, they mm-hmm. were booing Benil Dariush and not because right. – like, who, who hates Benil Dariush? He's like the nicest guy on the planet, right? So yeah. like, uh, I think entirely that was because of their love for Tony Ferguson. So yeah, right. I don't, I don't think they can not book him again. I do think we're looking at a pretty sizable step down from where he is. I can imagine he's going to plummet in the UFC's official rankings and all that good stuff. I, I think they got to not book him against all of these wrestlers that exist on the edge of the top fifteen. Like, please avoid Gregor Gillespie and Islam Makachev and Diego Fe- and Diego Fajeda. Like. God, do not book him against one of those guys. You know, like there, there are some guys, or, you know, Rafael Dos Anjos again. Like, I know that would be a rematch, but, like, that wouldn't go well for him. I'm even questioning whether or not he could beat Kevin Lee at this point, which uh, it seems like a, a tough thing to say, being that he did win the interim title over him. But I don't think he would beat him now. Uh, there's another fan favorite who's going to lightweight for his retirement match. Would you like to see him fight? Donald Cowboy Cerrone for his last match. I I don't hate that. I will say I think Tony Ferguson is still quite a bit better than than Cowboy Cerrone because like he he has lost a bunch in a row. But who did he lose to? He lost to Justin Gaethje. He lost to Charles Oliveira, and he lost to Benil Dariush. Like they're all they're all savages, right? So um, whereas you're talking about Cowboy Cerrone, and no offense to Alex Morano, losing to Alex Morano. Um, who had just come off of a loss to Anthony Pettis. So, like, he, he's he's losing to guys who we don't consider elite at this point. I'd actually like to see, if I have to book Tony Ferguson right now, thinking about that performance last night, you could book him with any of the guys either just outside of the top 15 or just at the edge of the top 15 who you would deem more striker-heavy. Like, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him fight Drew Dober. Um, you know, it, it seems like kind of a weird booking, but that's kind of where I feel like he's at right now. Um, you know, if you want to go a little higher, Paul Felder, not a bad booking. If Felder wants to step back in there and have more, you know, quote unquote fun fights, Tony Ferguson versus Paul Felder could headline a fight night any day of the week and people would tune in for that. Yeah, Paul Felder's a killer, so yeah, definitely. And a savage. And <laughs> a savage. All right, well, what about Dario? She's kind of... He's he's in a good spot for for winning as many fights as he has in in a row, but he's also kind of in a bad spot in the lightweight division because we just 
mapped out the next two title cha- challengers already, basically for uh, for Oliveira. It's, uh, we got the Gaethje Connor winner, and then the next one probably would be not Gaethje. I'm sorry, um, Connor, that Dustin guy, Dustin winner, and then what? Maybe Gaethje Chandler winner next. Um, so yeah, he, he kind of could be stuck in a bad spot here. He, I don't see any title shot for him in the next what year, year and a half, maybe. And, and he's no spring chicken either. That, that's right. worth noting, right? Like Vanil Darius, you know, he's even sporting a little bit of grays in there, and in his more than me there. even, yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, like I see people in the rankings that are worth pairing him with, um, but I can't remember his training situation because. So the one person who who instantly jumped out when I was looking at the rankings who would be a really good matchup for him right now is Rafael Dos Anjos, right? Because Dos really? Anjos come come off that win over Paul Felder, but yeah. are they both Kings MMA guys? Yeah, I think so. And last I last I heard, they were yeah. Yeah, and I don't know that Rafael Dos Anjos is still at Kings. I feel like yeah, I'm not he, sure. I feel like he left there because if I remember correctly, after his last win, he did not have Cordero in his corner. Um, which would be a really weird move if he was still at King's MMA. So if, yeah. if those aren't, if they aren't still together, th- th- that's that to me is a really smart matchup because they both just beat like some pretty good guys, right? Dos Anjos just beat mm-hmm. uh, Paul Felder, and and he just beat. Uh, Tony Ferguson, and they're looking good in, in need to jump up the division, but at the same time, uh, they need something more than what they currently have. So, you know, that that to me is a good pairing. Darius, basically, he's he's never headlined an event, I don't think, has he? So he's basically I, in... I can't imagine, he, mostly just because yes. he's like a guy who... I, I mean, I don't think people people think of him and, and think he sells well, right? Yeah. Like he, he doesn't strike me as a guy who like people are clamoring to see. But at this point, I would say he's basically a fight night, fight night headliner uh, yeah, yeah, after yeah. those performances. So yeah. So other um, than the fact that they usually just want to put a heavyweight main event on most of them. That's true. That's true. <laughs> he, uh, he's always reminded me of uh, Musasi, uh, Gegard Musasi. Yeah. Um, just just by by the look and and the nonchalance uh, in the cage and whatnot. So he's I decided to throw that out there. And he's not that old. He's only thirty two. He looks a that lot older is, than he is. That is very shocking because I think yeah. he was sporting some grays in there this past oh, yeah. weekend. And, oh, also uh, put the intern on it. It does appear that uh, Dos Anjos is no longer with Kings MMA. As oh, it could be a grudge match. 2017, and he started his own gym and also cross-trains with Evolve MMA. So, oh, it um, could be a good grudge match there then. Yeah, it does appear that he <laughs> has moved on, and uh, whether or not he's still friendly with Dariush obviously could throw a wrench into that, but um, that, that that sort of matchmaking makes sense now that we had the intern figure that out. Yes. Thank you, thank you, intern. Does he still have a mustache? Can you Ooh, answer? Can the intern answer that? I cannot confirm or deny that. <laughs> uh, man, I think we should probably have to call him. It looks yeah. like uh, if I'm snooping around on his Instagram, he does not. Oh, well, I'm not interested in that fight anymore then. So, um, Hashtag mustache mind. game. Hashtag mustache, exactly. All right, let me uh, before we go on, let me tell you about something very important. Roman. Uh, look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to GetRoman.com slash SGP now. With Roman, you can get free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Can you start it simple? Just go to GetRoman.com slash SGE and complete an online visit. Take care of your UD without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. So go to GetRoman.com slash SGP now to get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your UD. Get GetRoman.com slash SGP and get started now and get 15 bucks off your first month of treatment. All right, so all we've talked about is lightweights. Um, this was a lightweight heavy card. I don't know. Is there really much to say about the next fight? Um, two flyweights who fought at Bantamweight, um, Rogerio Bontorin and Matt Schnell. Um, sucks because I, Schnell was my lock and he lost. Bontorin came in overweight and he won, which is, goes against all what my stats say. So basically it was a bad beat all around for me. Do you have much to say about this fight? Really I, I will just say it, it continues to annoy me that Matt Schnell, uh, who who is 
by far a much better grappler than he is a striker, yeah. continues to try to implement a strike-first game plan. Well, he is danger. Can uh, maybe it's he's trying you know, to live up to, his, you know, to his nickname? Do you know that there? Uh, they just released one, but there were at least three dangers in the UFC, including two on this card. There were two dangers on right. the card. Right, Gina, Gina, Gina Danger, danger Mazzani, who yeah. broke our hearts also. Which, um, yeah, both of our locks were dangerous. Okay. Yes. Maybe, that's, they, maybe that's the worst problem. Yeah, and they broke our hearts. Neither uh, of them dangerous. were very dangerous. No, not at all. Um, yeah, whatever. Do we have much else to say about that? No, No, I, I don't. Like, I, I think he made a bad choice not trying to grapple more, and maybe the yeah. striking of Bontarine didn't allow him to grapple more, but um, you know, like if he continues with that game plan where he's like, ah, I'm learning that my hands are very good and I'm going to use them more. Uh, I think this is going to be his ceiling. Like his ceiling yep. is, is losing to guys like Rogerio Bontarine or Kaikara France or stuff like that because he's not as good of a striker as them and he needs to go to where he's best. And it's not great for Bontarine either coming, missing weight, at a weight class above the class that, that you want to compete in normally. I know it was short notice fight, but still he, Basically, he came in 11 pounds heavier than than he normally would have. Um, I thought I heard he was like 160. He's 165, or he was what? 165 before this, which is insane. Holy considering hell. he's a, but I, I hear things that may not be true. So could that, be hashtag that's very. That's very big. <laughs> yes, that is very big. Um, do we have to talk about this fight? This one. This was a hashtag stop the steal. Women's flyweight, Caitlin Chukagian versus Vivian Aharujo, as they were saying on the broadcast last night. Um, yeah, this was a typical Caitlin Chukagian win where she shouldn't have won, but she won because she looks like she's doing more in, in the cage. And MMA decisions, you, uh, if you go on oh, there. Oh, I've, I've got it pulled yeah, up already. Don't go worry. on there. Uh, everyone's, not everyone, but most people are picking Aharujo. Uh, to win that fight, which we also did, which would have put us at six and six, which would have put us closer to breaking even money wise. Also, she was a plus one fifteen dog. Um, it would have put Dan right about breaking even. Um, and she like clearly, I thought won that fight. She clearly won the first two rounds, but no, someone had Chukagian waiting. Two people had Chukagian waiting the second round, right? And first of all, no. first of all, one judge had Chukagian winning every right. round, yeah, and then yep, yep. all three judges gave her the second. Which is insane. This wasn't this wasn't even a split, right? This, this yeah, was that's a, right. Yep. This was a unanimous decision. And when they read thirty twenty seven, I was like, "Wait a second, that means Chokagian had to have won because Chokagian clearly won the third. She won the third yes. in a very she, convincing fashion. She actually pieced her up. It wasn't just like strike uh, striking for striking sake. She actually did some damage. Right, which right. You and, don't see her do very often. No, she she I, I and I think the reason was is because she went in there thinking she had lost rounds one and right. two. And, yeah. and clearly her coaches had told her precisely that, which is it, it's very bizarre to me. It brings up lots of great questions about open scoring, which, you know, everybody's all about open scoring and, and chats about it all the time. I have love and hate moments about it, but, like, th- this would have been one that, like, very clearly altered the state of the, the fight if we had known going into the last round that one judge had already given it to Chokagian in – Arruyo needed to stop, and then the other two had it that she just needed to win the round. So, um, yeah, bizarre scorecard for me. I think 30-27 is egregious, but I will say, now looking at MMA decisions, it is only 10-7 to 7 as far as the, the the media was concerned. So it, it was closer than I remembered when I was watching, because, you know, there are even some people who I respect who did they choke and won. Uh, including Sean Sheehan, who I, I generally am right about on with him, and uh, Joe McDonough, who's a guy who I like. He gave it to Chokagian, too. So um, I disagree, but, uh, you know, like, man, it, what a weird scorecard, 30-27. Yeah. I demand justice regardless, Dan. I demand justice. Um, I, I like your demands for justice. <laughs> we, and then uh, we started off with a banger not surprising this this fight was a banger this was i don't know why i don't think i picked this for fight of the night in the pick'em contest i run an mma dash manifesto but i believe i said on the last podcast that this one could be a fight in the night it was um, very clearly going to be it for me right from yeah. the beginning yeah it um edson barboza of course we're speaking of versus shane burgos which i got wrong dan got right um 
it was one of the craziest knockouts you're ever going to see. Um, Burgos is too tough for his, he almost tricked his body into thinking that he wasn't knocked out. Um, and it worked. It worked for a good, what, five seconds. He tricked himself into thinking he was not knocked out. It was a really out. long time. It felt it was. really long. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he just collapsed against, like, it was like he had a heart attack or something. He just collapsed. He backpedaled <laughs> too. I think the back, backpedaling yeah. is what freaks me out because, like, right. he, he stayed in there and bounced on his toes, like, three or four more times. And then yeah. he was like, oh, no. And he backpedaled like he was hurt. And I was like, yeah. How did it take you that long to know you were hurt? Smash against the cage. Have you heard what he said, too? No. He said he remembers all of it, and he was conscious the whole time. Yeah. Which, to me, is even crazier. Like, that seemed like something crazy was going on with his brain. And then he was like, my legs just felt like they stopped working and my limbs were going away. Yeah, that's like, more. Um, that's, but, that's nuts. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm doing a bad job. I'm, I'm uh, interrupting you. But, yeah, that's more like. Uh, you see that with body shots, like liver shots. You see, you know, it takes a while for it to get to the brain that it's time to go night night. But um, <laughs> yeah, that was it was wild. But um, the fight was very good. Both guys looked great. Burgos, well, Burgos looked tough. Um, Barboza was clearly the better man of the two. Um, yeah, and the speed and the power, everything is there for him at featherweight now. He's got the weight cut down, it seems, and he's got a new contract, and uh, it seems the future is very bright for him. At featherweight, but yeah, both guys um, looked very good in there. It was a very, very fun fight. Um, do you want to book Barboza somewhere? It looks like I'm checking. I have performance rankings on my website, uh, mma-manifesto.com. It looks like he's jumping. He was at 18th heading into here. Um, with this big win, He plus a knockout win, he's back. He's into the top 10. He's up to, like, number eight, just ahead of Dan Ige, um, below Ryan Hall. Do you want to? Fantasy book him? Yeah, I want to see him against another one of the good boxers in this division. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I have a slew of different possible options here, but the the two that stick out if you don't book them against one another already are Calvin Cater. I think yep. him versus Calvin Cater would be really fun. And if he can't get that Calvin Cater fight, maybe Calvin's still banged up. I know he's taken a long time to heal from that beatdown he took. Giga Chikadze is such a fun fight. Oh, yeah, that would be great. I, I mean, like, that would be just amazing. Because basically what I think he, he fought, is, and in no no disrespect to Shane Burgos, is kind of like the poor man's Giga Chikadze or the poor man's Calvin Cater. Like, I, I said in the breakdown and why I took Edson Barboza is that, like, it seems like Shane Burgos is a really good boxer when he can box people who are not also elite-level boxers, right? Like, he, he is a better boxer than all of the grapplers and by far a better boxer than all of the grapplers he's going to fight. Uh, but when he fights somebody who also specializes in the same thing as him, he struggles. Um, so I want to see, I want to see Edson against a guy who's willing to go in there with a guy like Edson and, and crack a little bit, but also be a little bit more technical. And I think Calvin Cater and Giga Chikadze bring precisely that, which is, I mean, that that's what I want to see Edson Barboza against. I don't want to see him yet against, like, oh, can Danny Gay take him down again? Because that's what Danny Gay did the first time. Or, oh, you know, what is, uh, I guess there's not a lot of grapplers in this division, which is kind of fun. Maybe Bryce Mitchell, but, yeah, he's probably above Bryce Mitchell's level now. Or Brian Ortega. or Yeah, I, I just want to see him with somebody who's going to box with him. A savage. Put him with yeah, a savage. Yeah, I want to see him with a savage or a beast. And stick him at the uh, – that's another possible maybe co-main event on a fight night, but maybe main event. Um, I think Edson Barboza versus versus uh, Calvin Cater would main event. Yeah, it's true. Gigi might not have the name yeah. recognition yet, but I, I could see those other two. I would love to see five rounds of it. I don't know if I really want to see – for Cater's health, I don't know if I want to yeah, see him fight, fight Barboza next. I do have to say, every single time I fantasy book somebody against Calvin Cater, which happens more often than you would think, I like I, I pause afterwards and I'm like, yeah, actually, I don't want to see him fight anybody for like another year until his brain is all healed because he took such a beating. Dan's a weird, weird guy. He I fantasy- like him though. I don't he, want to see fantasy- Calvin Cater get hurt. <laughs> but you, you just admitted to fantasy booking Calvin Cater more often than you should. Um, <laughs> yep, you admitted to pictures of guys junk on your phone. Not pictures of their junk. Pictures of them getting you hit said in the had- junk. <laughs> that's, that's, that's more like a BDSM or whatever you people call it type of thing. So. Anyhow, um, 
that is the that's the main card. Let me tell you about uh, the last couple of our awesome sponsors that keep us in your ear holes, and then we will uh, rip through the prelims and get you ready for another fight card this week. So UFC rolls on. Uh, Underdog Fantasy we'll talk about first. If you haven't played an Underdog Fantasy, you have to check out their Fantasy Best Ball. Those tournaments are some of the best around. That includes their Best Ball Mania 2 tournament, where you can win a million dollars. It still is not written properly, and I'm stumbling all over it. Plus, you can play a number of games involving parlay and player props for MLB, the NBA, and more. They also have a special NBA playoff best ball tournament coming up as well. Go to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN. And don't forget to enter the Best Ball Mania 2 tournament for your chance to win a million dollars. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And we're also sponsored by Odds Jam. If you're a smart, not smart, a sharp, you can be smart too, a sharp or a smart better, you need to sign up with Odds Jam. Odds Jam does your line shopping for you, finding the best prices in all bets, including player props. Odds Jam even provides arbitrage opportunities where you can bet on both sides of a line at two different shops to guarantee a profit. Odds Jam also tailors itself to whatever betting markets you're currently in. Dominate the marketplace with Odds Jam. Sign up at, you probably could guess, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Odds Jam and use promo code, you can guess again, I'm sure, SGP, and you get 5% off. Well, that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Odds Jam, promo code SGP for 5% off. And I just realized the part in the Roman now that I usually stumble over. I didn't stumble over this week. Hooray. The getting started part, I always mess up on and I didn't. So this is a, maybe we may be mediocre with picks, but that I'm bringing it when it comes to ad reads. All right. Um, prelims were very exciting. Also this top to bottom, this was a, a good card. Um, we only have what five fights went to decision. None of them really were, were boring. Um, so the headliner of the prelims was a middleweight bout. We pre- we've pretty much already talked about this. Uh, Andre Munez versus Ronaldo Jacare Souza. Um, Munez claims that he's a better grappler than Souza, and he actually proved that he was, or at least he was in this match. Um, they called Souza a uh, savage because he got his arm broken in a jiu-jitsu tournament and he just tucked it into his belt and kept fighting. Well, that was not an option here. Uh, he got his arm broken again. Uh, his humorous uh, got broken. Dan did not like my joke about humorous not being funny, but it's not funny that he broke his humorous and that we all got to hear it and see it multiple times. But um, this is more about Andre Munoz looking fantastic against uh, Ronaldo Chacare Souza. He's he's looked phenomenal many times in a row now. Like I think underratedly this and don't get me wrong, a lot of people thought he was going to win this fight, right? We, we picked against him because I, I don't know nostalgia. I'm going to blame nostalgia. Uh, but like this is his third win in a row in the UFC. You could also include the fact that he was on Contender Series twice, um, once on the Brazilian version, once on the American version. And he armbarred Bartosz Fabinski, which, like, don't get me wrong, Fabinski had been losing once once in a while by by submission, in, including two or three. Isn't that the guy that you wanted? Isn't that the guy you wanted to fight? It's not the guy I wanted to fight. He is the guy <laughs> who I said I wasn't afraid of his boxing. Which uh, well, okay, I just you, wanted, you, okay. you like to you like to interpret however you want. But uh, back to the the actual point at hand. Uh, low key, Andre Muniz is like a threat at, at middleweight right now. He's a savage. Yeah, he's he's definitely a savage. <laughs> yeah, no, he uh he looked fantastic um in that fight. Um all right, first of all, that's Jacare. We're gonna see him again. He's forty one. I think he makes about like according to MMA dash manifesto dot com, uh he makes about like two hundred and ten thousand, uh over two hundred thousand per fight. Um he's forty one. He's lost what, four fights in a row, five of six. Are we gonna see him again? Or it like is the UFC like Dana White not even a savage enough to to cut a guy while he's got a broken arm. Like I, I don't know if the UFC is even low enough to do that. But is he going to fight again in the UFC? I I don't think so. Uh, I think he is going to fight again, but I don't think he's going to fight again in the UFC. Like that many losses in a row, that amount of money he's making, and it's a. Th- I don't know if you've noticed. It seems to be a thing that the UFC does right before they're about to cut these guys that they put them against a young up and comer. And are like, here's your chance again. You know, like, uh, you know, JDS fought Surreal Gain. Um, you know, like, you, you could say the same thing about some of the Overeem's opponents and stuff like that. They, they just, like, they're like, we're going to let you fight somebody way down. Because then if they feel like cutting you afterwards, they can say, well, you know, 
you only beat, you know, like they did with Anthony Pettis where they just let him walk. Well, you only beat Alex Morano, and it's not a big deal. Um, and if they lose, you're like, well, they fucking lost to Alex Morano, so like, who's not even ranked at this point, so it's time for him to go. And, and it felt like this matchmaking was trying to do that to Jacare, um, and to get his month, his his contract off the books. And I I think Mooney's succeeded in getting it off there. That being said, I, I think he's he's tailor made for. For uh, either a Bellator, or a PFL, or a, you know one FC, or you know I could see any of those people snatching him up to get a, a little name recognition on it. Ryzen, he could fight for Ryzen a yeah. couple of times. Yeah, uh, I agree with what you're saying about the veterans. That they kind of give them enough rope to hang themselves, and then they basically fire themselves by uh, by losing these fights. They've been trying to do that to your boyfriend Andre Arlovsky for years, and he, he just he won't hasn't, go. He hasn't He's let not them. going he, anywhere. Nope, he is not. Um, do you have any fun matchups for Muniz, or is he not high enough in the rankings in the stratosphere yet for you, know, you to I, I have actually, anything fun for him? I actually think he should be fighting a ranked opponent next. You know, like, I, I don't know whether or not these guys are booked next, but, like, either Omari Akhmedov or Brad Tavares would be good opponents for him. Sure. Both guys stuff takedowns at a high enough rate that they're, like, interesting for him to have to strike with, but both guys, like, occasionally give up a takedown, and that could be bad for them. Um, I mean, if you wanted to boost up Andre Muniz fast, you just give him Kevin Holland and let him submit him instead. All <laughs> right. Um, but, like, those two would both um, answer a question and be good matchups. Um, Brad Tavares seems to be a guy that you fantasy book often also. He's, he's come up he's, a few times. He's just like the generic <laughs> – I feel like he's create a fighter one on, like, if you have yeah. a UFC video game, right? Like, True. Like, Tell me what Brad Tavares is really good at. Being a savage. He, he's not basically. even a savage. <laughs> no, he's not. He like doesn't he, finish people. Or yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't finish people. But it also, like, he doesn't like he doesn't go out on his shield in a way where he gets finished either. Like yeah. he, he hung around with Ida Sonya for a whole fight, but he also yeah. hung around for a whole fight with Chiales Latis. Yes. Um and he hung around for a whole fight with Robert. Oh no, Robert Whitaker starched him. Right, Robert Whitaker knocked him out. Am I remembering that right? I don't know. I'm just amazed that you remember all this stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, but but he lasted sure. like a whole fight with Yoel Romero, but then also yeah. won a split decision over Kyle Magalhaes. So like, he he's just like one of those guys who who is gonna go the distance and look bad in in good situations and good and bad situations. Um, which is why like he's a good measuring stick, right? Like that yeah, that true. lets you know if Andre Muniz is a guy or he's like you know. He's Cal Magalish, you know, who who is no longer in the UFC. Listen to all these obscure references, man. Cal Magalish. Fun fact: this is this is a here Cal we Magalish go. Nerd time. Cal Magalish was the corner in my the last jujitsu match I had. The the cornerman for the other guy in my jujitsu match. And who who won, Dan? <laughs> me, me, of course. Uh, Unbelievable. I won, I won by uh, and and grappling fans out there can can cast their scorn down upon me after they hear this. I won by. Uh, Omoplata wrist lock, uh, and everybody loves a good wrist lock. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? Unbelievable. Listen to Dan. <laughs> Listen to Dan. All right. Um, boom, boom, boom. What else we got? Lando Groovy Venata um, won a weird split decision against Mike Grundy. Um, someone had Grundy winning every round. Someone had <laughs> someone had Venata winning every round, and then someone had Venata winning two out of the three rounds. So. Um, I think the right answer was Venata winning two of, two of the three rounds. Yeah, I actually wouldn't disagree. And don't get me wrong, I picked Grundy and I like Grundy and I've interviewed Grundy. And I I think I gave Venata all of them. I actually don't think that scorecard was wrong. Uh, Grundy getting all of them was very wrong. Um, I could see you giving Grundy maybe, I, I think maybe the third if I'm remembering correctly, but definitely not more than that. Um, and, and I think I gave Venata all of them in real time. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Uh, what else we got? Oh, yeah, we should talk you about You want to skip one. this one? Uh, Jordan this one. Wright, Beverly Hills Ninja, TKO Jamie Pickett. Um, started, uh, Pickett was grabbed, but had him up against the cage. He started nailing him with elbows, so Pickett decided to get out of there. And he got knocked out by the Beverly Hills Ninja. Yeah, this is a real knockout for Jordan Wright, and I've talked bad about him for enough that I have to issue an apology. 
because this he actually looked good in there this time. Um, I'm not sure the level of Jamie Pickett yet that I'm ready to be convinced that it's a super big win for Wright, but he looked good enough that like I I can no longer just say he's a massive can crusher. I can um, passionately pick against him next time he fights, uh, but I'll have to wait a little bit for that. Yep, um, and then a match that Dan got right and I got wrong. Women's flyweight. I should have gone with with the stats where Shevchenko loses every other fight. Um, Andrea Lee put Antonina Shevchenko in a uh, triangle for basically the whole second round and finally got uh, her to tap with, what, eight seconds left. Yeah, she looked great there, too. Um, both in in the different adjustments she was trying to make, changing angles, uh, pulling the arm one way so that she could land elbows, pulling the arm the other way. Also, did did her arm snap, too? It looked like it was at least hyperextended. Hyperextended, yeah, yeah. yeah it was, it sure. was pretty. It was pretty gnarly. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, uh, I, I kind of appreciated that fight. That Lee looked really good, and I will say this about Lee too, is that if you go back and look at her record, she, she's got some finishes, but she hasn't had a ton in the UFC. Um, you know, or, or now that I'm looking, actually put the intern on it. She hasn't had any in the UFC. Um, okay. So, yeah. she, so she was the finisher outside the UFC, but like she hasn't had any finishes in it. And that to me was like, I mean, that was a big moment for her. Like not only did she look good, she looked good against a good opponent. She looked good against a good opponent who has finishes. Like th- that was a big fight for her. And I think, you know, having a bunch of losses in a row, she was, you know, pretty close to becoming irrelevant in that division. And, and that one really changed the whole story on Andrea Lee. Okay, so then we'll move on to the early prelims. Another fight I don't want to talk about, but I guess we will. Dan had me uh, sold on Gina Mazzani and how much of a savage she is at women's flyweight, and she got pieced up in the second round by Priscilla Cachoeira and yeah, total dominant um, striking performance by Cachoeira after Mazzani was dominating her with uh, the grappling in the early stages of the fight. Yeah, I think Mazzani, and here's the, the part I'm a little bit concerned about. I think Mazzani looks so good in there in the first round. She got pieced up a little bit in the second round, couldn't seem to get her grappling going, and that is a concern when anybody drops weight classes, right? Like, I, I, I've i been pretty high on her ability to move down, and it seemed like she did in the right way and with a nutritionalist, but, you know, it's not that she's old, right? She's only like 32 or something like that, or 33 maybe, but... It is a little bit alarming that her second cut down to 125, she seemed tired in the second round or at least beat up. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, props to Cachoeira, who, who was 0-3 in the UFC at one point, and then since then has has really done some impressive work with her hands. Um, you know, between the knockout of Shayna Dobson and this TKO, like, I, I mean, like, she looks so so good with her hands. Um, so I, I'll be interested to see what they do with her next because she's actually pretty fun to watch. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, we were surprised that she was getting another fight after what she's uh, how she looked at the starting of her career, even though she was fed Valentina Shevchenko on what short notice. I think that fight was that wasn't yeah. that wasn't very fair in her debut, but. They apparently knew what they were doing, the powers that be, because she's uh, looked like a world beater the last two fights. Yeah, yeah, she 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 looks like she could be pretty close to a ranked opponent at this point. Like it, it's a shorter division. I wouldn't be oh, surprised yeah. if they booked her with somebody. Yeah, because she's looking like a killer. So there you go. Um, we got this one right. Featherweight Tucker Lutz looked very good in his. Uh, UFC debut against Kevin Aguilar, the Angel of Death who's probably that will be the death of his UFC career after I think he's lost, what, three straight, four straight? He's, yeah, he's lost he, a lot. He's lost a mess in a row. And I will say this, uh, it's four straight. Danny Gazevira, Tugov, uh, Charles Rosa, Tucker Lutz. Um, and I, I will say this about Lutz. He looked exactly the way we thought he was going to. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, right. type of, the type of guy who does not get a contract off of Dana White's contender series somehow did anyway and, uh, you know, just did a, a damn good job. Yep, exactly. He did a damn good job. Um, and then the opener, Christos Diagos, Bravo choked Sean Soriano. Um, 
to sleep actually in in the second round. So we got that one right too. So we started off so nice, and then like I thought we were gonna get thought we were gonna get the Mazzani fight right too. I thought okay, we're gonna go three for three on the early prelims, and then the second round happened in that fight. But and things the wheels fell off. But yeah, but we got the Giagos and the Lutz fights right at least. I, and I think too, I I think we might have called submission on Iagos too. Did we or did you? I don't know. Uh, Maybe we. I I think we. Oh, that sounds like something you do. I I I think we. I'm gonna say we. Yeah. Okay. Fine. We. Perfect. <laughs> uh, I'll take credit for that. I'll take credit for actually getting something right. So that uh, concludes um, UFC 262. Fun fight card. Um, not so fun for our pocketbooks and our picks, but it was fun. And it was in the Toyota center, 16,005 were in attendance, uh, over $4 million gate, $4,110,000. And the bonuses, which Tony Ferguson talked UFC up into giving $75,000 bonuses this week, instead of 50,000 and the UFC made sure everyone, they advertised that to show what great, what a great organization they are. They definitely rammed that down our throats that they were giving away some extra money, this billion-dollar corporation. So uh, Edson Barboza, Shane Burgos got 75 Gs for a fight of the night. You can't argue after that fight they had. And then Charles Oliveira, you can't argue about him, getting an extra 75 grand. And then Christos Giagos got the 75 grand too. But there was a lot of, a lot of, um, like I said earlier, a lot of finishes. So there's a lot of people in the running for those awards. Um which brings us to this coming week. Uh, we got a bantamweight battle, Rob Font versus former champ Cody Garbrandt um, is the main event. This is coming going down from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. Uh, the co-main event at this point looks like women's strawweight, Carlos Esparza versus... Yan Xiaonan, my favorite yeah, name I to love say, and, and one of my favorite strawweights to watch. There you go. Um, and we got lots of chunky guys on this card, too. Justin Toffa is fighting Jared Vandera. Uh, ben Rothwell is fighting Chris Huggy Bear Barnett. Um, Dude, I, am, I could Huggy not Bear? be more excited that Huggy Bear is, A, in the UFC, and that we're going to get a chance to talk about. He, he's he's every chunk, everyone out there, if you're on my, my hashtag chunky guys uh, wavelength and, and you're here waiting for the chunky guys to throw down, this is this is the god of chunky guys. Uh, just so you know, start YouTubing him so that when you listen to our episode come out Wednesday night, uh, so that you're on board already because it's time to get on that hype train. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, he's what like he's listed at five nine two eighty seven. I saw him listed at, <laughs> so, but he was like a super heavyweight at five nine. He, I he, think he, he fought. At, I think he waited at three ten for a fight one time. <laughs> No way. Unreal. Yeah, he's, he's a big dude. He kind of looks like Mark Henry, too. He yeah, reminds me of the yeah, world, like, world's <laughs> strongest man, except a lot a lot heavier. Um, he's got a slightly different build, I think. <laughs> right. Yeah, a little bit different. Um, and then what else do we have here? Um, anything else worth mentioning? Yeah, there's a lot of good fights on this card. Uh, Felicia Spencer's back against Norma Dumont. Jack Hermanson, Edmund Shabazian. So this is a very good a good fight night card um, coming and, up this week. And we're also hmm. going to get the return of my plus 275 underdog, Lupita Godinez, is stepping no. up on oh, short no. notice. Uh, she's actually going up two weight classes to step up on short notice and fight Sarah Alpar. I'm guessing she's going to be a pretty sizable underdog, and you may just want to tune in and find out if I'm going to brag about it for an extended period of time. (laughs) Uh, Here we go. So definitely, there you you are so good at uh, at teasing these uh, listeners' ear holes and making them come back for more and more and more. Uh, Thank you for everyone for coming um, to our feed. By the way, this last episode was our most listened to one on our new feed. So you must be getting my. my hints that, that you should subscribe to the MMA Gambling Podcast feed um, because we're not going to be on the SGPN f- uh, main feed for uh, for much longer. Um, they want us out on our own because we are apparently the uh, the black sheep of the family. We talk about fighting and stuff. So, um, but anyhow, uh, well, we still will be part of the fam. We're just going to have our own our own feed. We do have our own feed, so make sure you uh, follow us there. What else? Um, what other homework should I give our listeners? Um, we'll be back, what, Wednesday night. So in the meantime, uh, go to MMA-Manifesto.com, obviously. Read all my stuff there, all our lead-up uh, articles to next week's card or this week's card if you 
depending on when you listen to this, uh, go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com, obviously. Read all the good stuff. Um, go to the bet SGPN uh, part there. We got a lot of good odds and discounts and promo codes and whatnot for you. Um, listen to all the podcasts. Every podcast they have on the network you have to listen to. What other homework? I guess you can listen to Dan's podcast, uh, Prelim Picker, and the Top Turtle MMA podcast, who he will have on this week as his guest. Dot, dot, uh, dot, dot, dot. Yancey Medeiros, I know, will be one of them because I recorded him for last week. He wound up getting pushed when Alex Morano dropped by. So uh, we still have that interview with Yancey Medeiros. And the second one is currently TBD. Oh, TBD just headlined a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, TBD he did. Was, yeah. yeah. Look good <laughs> in there, too. Look exciting. Good. <laughs> um, what else is there? Oh, you should follow us on Twitter, obviously. Uh, Jeff Fox Writer, Gumby Vreeland. Um, I think that's it for the homework. Um, so I guess uh, until next Wednesday, class dismissed.